Three Worlds Collide by Eliezer Yudkowsky Read by Eniash Brodsky Chapter 2 War and or Peace So the question then is, now what? The Lord Pilot jumped up then, his face flushed. Put up shields, now. We don't gain anything by leaving them down. This is madness. No. Not madness, said the ship's confessor in professional tones. The pilot slammed his fists on the table. We are all going to die. They're not as technologically advanced as us. Suppose the baby eaters do decide that we need to be exterminated. Suppose they open fire. Suppose they kill us. Suppose they follow the starline we opened and find the Huygen system. Then what? The master nodded. Even with surprise on their side, no, they can't actually wipe out the human species. Not unless they're a lot smarter than they seem to be, and it looks to me like, on average, they're actually a bit dumber than us. The master glanced at the xenopsychologist, who waved her hand in a maybe gesture. But if we leave the ship's shields down, we preserve whatever chance we have of a peaceful resolution to this. Peace, said the Lady Sensory in a peculiar flat tone. Akon looked at her. You want peace with the baby eaters? Of course, said Akon, then stopped short. The Lady Sensory looked around the table. And the baby eater children, what about them? The Master of Phantom spoke, his voice uncertain. You can't impose human standards on... With a blur of motion and a sharp crack, the Lady Sensory slapped him. The ship's confessor grabbed her arm. No! The Lady Sensory stared at the ship's confessor. No, no violence, only argument. Violence doesn't distinguish truth from falsehood, my lady. The Lady Sensory slowly lowered her hand, but not her eyes. But... But, my lady, if they want to be eaten... They don't, said the xenopsychologist. Of course they don't. They run from their parents when the terrible winnowing comes. The baby-eater children aren't emotionally mature. I mean, they don't have their adult emotional state yet. Evolution would take care of anyone who wanted to get eaten. And they're still learning, still making mistakes so they don't yet have the instinct to exterminate violators of the group code. It's a simpler time for them. They play, they explore, they try out new ideas, they're... (sighs) Damn. Excuse me. And the xenopsychologist stopped and turned her head away from the table, covering her face with her hands. They're a lot like human children, really. And if they were human children, said the Lady Sensory into the silence, do you think that just because the baby-eater species wanted to eat human children, that would make it right for them to do it? No, said the Lord Pilot. Then what difference does it make? No difference at all. Akon looked back and forth between the two of them and saw what was coming and somehow couldn't speak. We have to save them. We have to stop this, no matter what it takes. We can't let this go on. Couldn't say that one word. 
The Lord Pilot nodded. Destroy their ship. Preserve our advantage of surprise. Go back. Tell the world. Create an overwhelming human army. And pour into the Baby Eater Starline Network and rescue the children. No. No? I know. A lot of Baby Eaters will die at first, but they're killing ten times more children than their whole adult population every year. And then what? What happens when the children grow up? The Lord Pilot fell silent. The Master of Fandom completed the question. Are you going to wipe out their whole race because their existence is too horrible to be allowed to go on? I read their stories, and I didn't understand them, but they're not evil, don't you understand? They're not. Are you going to punish me because I don't want to punish them? We could. Hmm. We could modify their genes so that they only gave birth to a single child at a time. No. They would grow up loathing themselves for being unable to eat babies. Horrors in their own eyes. It would be kinder just to kill them. Stop. Akon's voice wasn't strong, wasn't loud, but everyone in the room looked at him. Stop. We are not going to fire on their ship. Why not? They... They haven't raised shields. Because they know it won't make a difference. They didn't fire on us! Then he stopped, lowered his voice. They didn't fire on us. Even after they knew that we didn't eat babies. I am not going to fire on them. I refuse to do it. You think they're innocent? What if it was human children that were being eaten? Akon stared out of viewscreen, showing in subdued fires a computer-generated graphic of the Nova Debris. He just felt exhausted now. I never really understood the prisoner's dilemma until this day. Do you cooperate when you really do want the highest payoff? When it doesn't even seem fair for both of you to cooperate? When it seems right to defect even if the other player doesn't. That's the payoff matrix of the true prisoner's dilemma. But all the rest of the logic, everything about what happens if you both think that way and both defect, is the same. Do we want to live in a universe of cooperation or defection? But they know that they can't wipe us out, and they can guess what we could do to them. Their choice isn't to fire on us and try to invade afterward. Their choice is to fire on us and run from the star system, hoping that no other ships follow. It's their whole species at stake, against just this one ship. And they still haven't fired. They won't fire on us until they decide that we've defected from the norm. It would go against their sense of, Honor, I could call it, but it's much stronger than the human version. No, not that much stronger. He looked around in the silence. The Baby Eater Society has been at peace for centuries. So too with the human society. Do you want to fire the opening shot that brings war back into the universe? Send us back to the darkness before dawn that we only know from reading history books because the hollows are too horrible to watch. Are you really going to press the button knowing that? 
the Lord Pilate took a deep breath. I will. You will not remain the commander of the impossible, my lord, if the greater conference votes no confidence against you, and they will, my lord, for the sake of the children. What are you going to do with the children? We, um, have to do something, said the ship's engineer, speaking up for the first time. I've been, um, looking into what Baby Eater Science knows about their brain mechanisms. It's really quite fascinating. They mix electrical and mechanical interactions, not the same way our own brain pumps ions, but... Get to the point. Immediately. The children don't die right away. Their brain is this nugget of hard crystal that's really resilient to, um, the digestive mechanisms, much more so than the rest of the body. So the child's brain is in, um, probably quite a lot of pain, since the whole body has been amputated and in a state of sensory deprivation, and then the processing slowly gets degraded. And I think the whole process gets completed about a month after. The lady sensory threw up. A few seconds later, so did the xenopsychologist and the master. If human society permits this to go on, I will resign from human society, and I will have friends, and we will visit the Baby Eater Starline Network with an army. You'll have to kill me to stop me. And me, said the Lady Sensory through tears. Akon rose from his chair and leaned forward, a dominating move that he had learned in classrooms very long ago when he was first studying to be an administrator. But most in humanity's promotion-conscious society would not risk direct defiance of an administrator. In a hundred years, he'd never had his authority really tested. Until now. I will not permit you to fire on the alien ship. Humanity will not be the first to defect in the prisoner's dilemma. The Lord Pilot stood up, and Akon realized, with a sudden jolt, that the pilot was four inches taller. The thought had never occurred to him before. The pilot didn't lean forward, not knowing the trick, or not caring. The pilot's eyes were narrow, surrounding facial muscles tensed and tight. Get out of my way! Akon opened his mouth, but no words came out. It is time to see this calamity to its end. Spoken in archaic English, the words uttered by Thomas Clarkson in 1785 at the beginning of the end of slavery. I have set my will against this disaster. I will break it, or it will break me. Ira Howard in 2014. I will not share my universe with this shadow. And that was the Lord Pilot, in an anger hotter than the Nova's ashes. Help me if you will, or step aside if you lack decisiveness. But do not make yourself my obstacle, or I will burn you down, and any that stand with you. Hold! Every head in the room jerked toward the source of the voice. Akon had been an administrator for a hundred years, and a lord administrator for twenty. He had studied all the classic texts and watched hollows of famous crisis situations. Nearly all the accumulated knowledge of the administrative field was at his beck and call, and he'd never dreamed that a word could be spoken with such absolute force. The ship's confessor lowered his voice. My lord pilot, 
I will not permit you to declare your crusade when you have not said what you are crusading for. It is not enough to say that you do not like the way things are. You must say how you will change them and to what. You must think all the way to your end. Will you wipe out the baby-eater race entirely? Keep their remnants under human rule forever, in despair under our law? You have not even faced your hard choices, only congratulated yourself on demanding that something be done. I judge that a violation of sanity, my lord. The Lord Pilate stood rigid. What do you suggest we do? Sit down. Keep thinking. My Lord Pilate, my Lady Sensory, you are premature. It is too early for humanity to divide over this issue when we have known about it for less than twenty-four hours. Some rules do not change. Whether it is money at stake or the fate of an intelligent species, we should only, at this stage, be discussing the issue in all its aspects as thoroughly as possible. We should not even be placing solutions on the table as yet to polarize us into camps. You know that, my lords and my ladies, and it does not change. And after that, then it's okay to split humanity? You wouldn't object? The featureless blur concealed within the confessor's hood turned to face the master and spoke, and those present thought they heard a grim smile in that voice. Oh, that would be interfering in politics. I am charged with guarding sanity, not morality. If you want to stay together, do not split. If you want peace, do not start wars. If you want to avoid genocide, do not wipe out an alien species. But if these are not your highest values, then you may well end up sacrificing them. What you are willing to trade off may end up traded away. Be you warned. But if that is acceptable to you, then so be it. The order of silent confessors exists in the hope that, so long as humanity is sane, it can make choices in accordance with its true desires. Thus, there is our order dedicated only to that, and sworn not to interfere in politics. So you will spend more time discussing this scenario, my lords, my ladies, and only then generate solutions. And then... You will decide. Excuse me, said the Lady Sensory. The Lord Pilate made to speak, and Sensory raised her voice. Excuse me, my lords. The alien ship has just sent us a new transmission. Two megabytes of text. Translate and publish. They all glanced down and aside, waiting for the file to come up. It began. The uttermost abyss of justification. A hymn of logic. Pure like stones in sacrifice. Four struggles of the young sliding down your throat. Akon looked away, wincing. He hadn't tried to read much of the alien corpus and hadn't gotten the knack of reading the translations by that damned program. Would someone please tell me, tell the conference, what this says? There was a long, stretched moment of silence. Then the xenopsychologist made a muffled noise <laughs> that could have been a bark of incredulity, or just a sad laugh. 
stars beyond. They're trying to persuade us to eat our own children. Using what they assert to be arguments from universal principles, said the Lord Programmer, rather than appeals to mere instincts that might differ from star to star. Such as what, exactly? Akon gave the Confessor an odd look, then quickly glanced away, lest the Confessor catch him at it. No, the Confessor couldn't be carefully maintaining an open mind about that. It was just curiosity over what particular failures of reasoning the aliens might exhibit. Let me search. The Lord Programmer was silent for a time. Ah, here's an example. They point out that by producing many offspring and winnowing among them, they apply greater selection pressures to their children than we do. So if we started producing hundreds of babies per couple, and then eating almost all of them, I do emphasize that this is their suggestion, not mine, evolution would proceed faster for us, and we would survive longer in the universe. Evolution and survival are universals, so the argument should convince anyone. He gave a sad chuckle. Anyone feel convinced? Out of curiosity, have they ever tried to produce even more babies? Say, thousands instead of hundreds, so they could speed up their evolution even more? It ought to be easily within their current capabilities of bioengineering, and yet they haven't done it. Still, I don't think we should make the suggestion. Agreed. But humanity uses gamete selection. We aren't evolving any slower. If anything, choosing among millions of sperm and hundreds of eggs gives us much stronger selection pressures. The xenopsychologist furrowed her brow. I'm not sure we sent them that information in so many words. Or they may have just not gotten that far into what we sent them. Um, it wouldn't be trivial for them to understand. They don't have separate DNA and proteins, just crystal patterns tiling themselves. The two parents intertwine and stay that way for, um, days, nucleating proteins of supercooled liquid from their own bodies to construct the babies. The whole, um, baby is constructed together by both parents. They don't have separate gametes they could select on. But couldn't we maybe convince them to work out some equivalent of gamete selection and try that instead? My lady, they aren't really doing this for the sake of evolution. They were eating babies millions of years before they knew what evolution was. Huh, this is interesting. There's another section here where they construct their arguments using appeals to historical human authorities. Akon raised his eyebrows. And who, exactly, do they quote in support? Hold on. This has been run through the translator twice, English to baby eater to English, so I need to write a program to retrieve the original text. He was silent for a few moments. I see. The argument starts by pointing out how eating your children is proof of sacrifice and loyalty to the tribe, then they quote human authorities on the virtue of sacrifice and loyalty, and ancient environmentalist arguments about population control. Plus, uh, oh dear, I don't think they've realized that Adolf Hitler is a bad guy. Uh, they wouldn't. Humans put Hitler in charge of a country, so we must have considered him a preeminent legalist of his age. And it wouldn't occur to the baby eaters that Adolf Hitler might be regarded by humans as a bad guy just because he turned segments of his society into lampshades. They have a custom against that nowadays, but they don't really see it as evil. 
If Hitler thought that gays had defected against the norms and tried to exterminate them, that looks to a baby eater like an honest mistake. The xenopsychologist looked around the table. All right, I'll stop there. But the baby eaters don't look back on their history and see obvious villains in positions of power. Certainly not after the dawn of science. Any politician who got to the point of being labeled bad would be killed and eaten. The baby eaters don't seem to have had humanity's coordination problems, or they're just more rational voters. Take your pick. Akon was resting his head in his hands. You know, I thought about composing a message like this to the baby eaters. It was a stupid thought, but I kept turning it over in my mind, trying to think about how I might persuade them that eating babies was not a good thing. The xenopsychologist grimaced. The aliens seem to be even more given to rationalization than we are, which is maybe why their society isn't so rigid as to actually fall apart. But I don't think you could twist them far enough around to believe that eating babies was not a baby-eating thing. And by the same token, I don't think they are particularly likely to persuade us that eating babies is good. <sighs> should we just mark the message as spam? One of us should read it at least. They composed their argument honestly and in all goodwill. Humanity also has epistemic standards of honor to uphold. Yes, I don't quite understand the baby eater standards of literature, my lord, but I can tell that this text conforms to their style of not exactly poetry, but they tried to make it aesthetic as well as persuasive. The master's eyes flickered back and forth. I think they even made some parts constant in the total number of light pulses per argumentative unit, like human prosody, hoping that our translator would turn it into a human poem. And as near as I can judge such things, this took a lot of effort. I wouldn't be surprised to find that everyone on that ship was staying up all night working on it. Baby eaters don't sleep. Anyway, if we don't fire on the alien ship, I mean, if this work is ever carried back to the baby-eater civilization, I suspect the aliens will consider this one of their great historical works of literature, like Hamlet or Fate's Day Night. The Lady Sensory cleared her throat. <clears throat> she was pale and trembling. With a sudden black premonition of doom, like a training session in unrestrained pessimism, Akon guessed what she would say. My lords, a third ship has jumped into this system. Not baby-eater, not human. End Chapter 2 Thank you to the following people. Engineer, J. Diani. The Xenopsychologist by Brooke Davis. Master of Fandom by Tom Dickinson. Lady Sensory by Autumn Rachel Dryden. Lord Pilot by Eric Starling. Ship's Confessor by Drake Walker. Lord Programmer by Dwayne Bradle. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Background music provided by freestockmusic.com. This episode's intro and outro music is When I'm Small 
by Fantagram. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for Chapter 3, The Super Fun Happy People. 